eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, November 17, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our in-season Sunday morning podcast. We will be joined today by Bill Curlick, the Dean of Ohio State Recruiting, and Matt Baxendale, the People's Champ. Yes, it was not the most competitive game to discuss yesterday with records, but there's plenty going on. That's why we bring in the Dean. Bill, how goes it this fine Sunday morning? Going well, Dan. Nice. Uh, crisp fall morning here in Columbus, blue skies rather than the cloudy gray, so, so going to have a sunny day, just a little cool here in Columbus, and uh, coming off another high state victory, and you know now now the season is upon us, the, the, the two games coming up, uh, so we'll see how it goes, but certainly if you're Ohio State, you're where you want to be. I think you certainly captured the vibe. We're not going to spend too much time with the Dean or backs on yesterday's game, but Bill, your thoughts on the trip to Rutgers? Well, you know, it, it was what it was. Uh, everyone knew it was not going to be a competitive game, and Ohio State established that right away. And um, you know, I, obviously, the to me, the big take is uh, not only obviously winning, but coming out of there, to my knowledge, with no new injuries. And we all saw what, what could happen with Tua yesterday. And fortunately for Ohio State, uh, that hasn't happened um, anything along that magnitude for them. And now they're, I think, going to be pretty healthy going into Penn State. And, uh, you know, I think Brian Day said it best last night after the game. Uh, he usually mentions about, you know, enjoying – the win for 24 hours type thing. Uh, that wasn't the case last night. You know, he said all eyes have already turned to Penn State, and that's as it should be. I said on the show last week, I can't remember following a team going into an environment or going into a situation, a game that was that non-competitive, just so obviously. I guess the Maryland game was terrible, but the idea of going on the road to Rutgers when you literally know Rutgers has no chance not exactly the best way to spend your time, in my opinion, but we'll move on. And like you said, I think you hit the key point. They emerged generally healthy. When you were speaking about injuries, the first thing that came to my mind before you even said it was Tua and what it feels like now for Alabama fans. We do not want to experience that. 
because it was on the road, not many recruits in town. This is one question I do have, and I think the fans might want to know this as well. When Ohio State plays on the road at a place like Rutgers, do they bring around New Jersey or New York area recruits? Or in this case, was the game so bad they just wanted to get in and get out? Yesterday wasn't really a case of uh, trying particularly to get recruits to come to that game because, as you said, it, it was Rutgers the, and everything else. You know, uh, when they were in Texas, for instance, playing uh, at AT&T Stadium, you know, they when they played TCU um, for that game, you know, they obviously talked to some recruits about being there, and that's a little bit different situation. But yesterday, that's not that wasn't really the case. And, you know, again, yesterday was about getting in there, getting the win, and coming out healthy and getting ready for Penn State the minute that game ended. I think you could make a good argument that the dean has been getting ready for Penn State for more than a week. If you go to the site right now, we've been running a running list of prospects and commitments expected to be in attendance. This is probably, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the number one recruiting weekend of the year for Ohio State, given the conditions. And another thing that just kicked in, both Fox and ESPN will be there with their game day style, big noon collaboration. So definitely a day to sell the Buckeyes. Yeah, uh, you know, they had that huge, huge weekend during the summer, the June 21st weekend, recruiting-wise. But this is the weekend in season recruiting wise you know obviously Michigan's on the road this year so this is the weekend that they have pointed to uh for for months all all season long really as their recruiting weekend and it's going to be that uh you know there's going to be some great prospects in Columbus uh, uh not so much the 2020 class although you know they're going to host several of their verbal commitments on official visits. Legend Cavazos, uh, Jacob James, and Trey LaRue will all make their official visits to Ohio State this weekend. And uh, no worries with any of them. They're all solidly Ohio State commitments. But they're getting those official visits uh, done this weekend. Uh, running back Mayan Williams, who I have crystal ball to Ohio State, is making a visit. It's an unofficial visit to Ohio State this weekend. Uh, but really, the class of 2021 and even the class of 2022, uh, those are the guys that are going to uh, get the lion's share of the focus, so to speak. Um, you know, from uh, uh, the class of 2021, Evan Pryor, running back, uh, we'll visit and, uh, JC Latham from IMG, Bradenton IMG and offensive lineman Donovan Jackson, Trey Zoon, uh, defensive end Tamisi Adelaide, um, as long as he can work around his, his schedule, which, you know, he's hoping to do. Uh, defensive end Monkel Goodwine, I, I added him just recently and that was a big article on bucknuts.com, uh, is gonna be there. Uh, they're hoping to get Rocco Spindler from Michigan there, Jalen Johnson, uh, safety, who I really like a lot from Cincinnati LaSalle, uh, will likely be there. Bryce Steele, um, coming up from Virginia, um, likely Najee Story from Solon. So, so it's, you know, the list kind of goes on and on. And then you look at the 2022 prospects. That's early for 2022, but at least three prospects that Ohio State has already offered. Uh, Tegra Chabola. Um, an offensive lineman from Ohio, Gabe Powers from Marysville, who Ohio State just recently offered, Ernest Green. Those guys are all planning to be at the game this weekend, and there are, you know, those are three great 2022 prospects that are planning to be at the game. So there's going to be a lot to, to dissect game-wise and a lot to uh, cover recruiting-wise this coming weekend. 
do you think the fact that uh, ESPN and Fox are there and stuff has any effect on the recruits? Well, I think it all adds to the uh, to the hype, the atmosphere, and and you know the buzz. I think anything again, you know, I've said this for a long time. But any advantage, anything positive, anything that you can use uh, to help your program, uh, you're you're going to try to do when it comes to recruiting. You love to have any advantage. Even if it's the smallest advantage, and I think that's a—it's a small thing, but again, it's something that helps. So yeah, you know, if you're Ohio State, you're glad that that's the case. We have a big advantage here at Bucknuts. We have the dean. We appreciate him giving some of his time to us on a Sunday. Thanks, dean. Have a great day, Dan. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back with the people champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, how goes it on this fine Sunday morning? Oh, well, I'm out in Fort Wayne, Indiana. My kids playing some hockey. They're succeeding again. Their Central Ohio kids are doing great. And I'm coaching this team of former Buckeye hockey great Dan Cousineau. So it's good to have the uh, the skill of uh, somebody who knows what they're doing on the bench with these guys. So it's been a good weekend for me. Are you at the Ice House in Fort Wayne? Yes, sir. You look right next door. Are you at the hotel adjacent or next door at the Hoops place? My kid has played a uh, game there. Oh, you know what I've learned about Fort Wayne? It's the same town as Champaign, Illinois. It's flat. The wind is 90 miles an hour, and it's always cold. I, I, I imagine it's like 20 degrees in August here. It's all hotels, uh, motels, athletic spots, and golden corrals. So enjoy yeah. that. And highways to get out. Yeah. And it's actually not a bad jaunt back to uh, Ohio. Indiana, a very easy state to drive for those who have no interest in this conversation. Speaking of which, <laughs> a game which had no competitive spirit, Ohio State dominates Rutgers, your vibes on the 56-21 beatdown. I mean, the most surprising part was that Rutgers somehow scored 21 points against the backups. Like, let's be real here. This is a game that had, this is the Ohio State equivalent of playing Western Carolina the week before Auburn. It's just Rutgers is not a good football team. Ohio State went out. Nobody appeared to get hurt, which is really the biggest thing about this game. And, you know, I suppose if you bet the minus 52 line, you're annoyed by it. At the end of the day, Ohio State went out and took care of business, got their important players off the field before anything bad happened. As we saw around college football, that's probably a smart thing to do against bad teams. And, you know, in the end, this is a game we're literally never going to remember because all we're going to start talking about is the remaining five games in the season where the actual tale of this team will be told. So I'm happy they got the win. I'm happy it was easy. I'm happy no one got hurt. Move on. We're going to save the Penn State chatter for the end here. We're going to take a look at yesterday and other games that affect the Buckeyes. The first one, to me, the most predictable result of the weekend, Minnesota loses at Iowa. Yeah, the boat stopped rowing here for a little bit, it seems like. Uh, you know what? At the end of the day, Iowa came out strong. Minnesota couldn't recover. And guess what? It's hard to have that emotional high two weeks in a row, especially at a program like Minnesota where they're not used to having these kind of platforms on consecutive weeks. 
And last week for them was, you know, a, the biggest win in the last 50 years for the program. So is anybody really surprised that a team like Minnesota that doesn't have, has not recruited at the depth it needs to to maybe be able to get over the hump of these heavy-duty back-to-backs lost a tight game at Iowa? Also just what Iowa does. They'll grind you into a boring, low-scoring game, and you don't have enough time to recover. And that's what happened with the boat rowers yesterday. And what makes that game particularly interesting is a couple things. One, they have Northwestern next week. They'll beat them. Their finale is against Wisconsin. Well, right now, the winner of that game wins the Big Ten West. And from an Ohio State perspective, if you think the Buckeyes are going to move on and win the Big Ten East, that game really matters because what's going to look better? Is it going to look better to beat, say, an 11-1 Minnesota team? Or is it going to look better to get a rematch against Wisconsin, who you've already drilled, and who potentially has two losses in his 10-2? So that's going to be some of the calculus you have to start looking at out west. And Candidly, I think for OSU, Minnesota winning out would be the better option. It'll look like a better win. It'll be a new opponent instead of a rematch against a team that they've already bludgeoned in Wisconsin. And really, what you're, you're, you, know, you have only downside. Oh, you beat them by 31 before. You only beat them by 17 this time. That's the conversation that they're going to start having. And really, for OSU, we all know it's just win and get in at this point. But if you're going to be sitting here trying to figure out how to get that top seed, you want to have the chips fall your way. And Minnesota being the team out of the West probably helps OSU more than Wisconsin. If Mark D'Antonio is going to leave Michigan State, his last game against Michigan is going to leave a sour taste in his mouth. The Fighting Khakis win 44-10, to just a sumerial beatdown after the first quarter, which Michigan State led 7 nothing. Is Michigan starting to grow some hair on their chest and scare you? No. <laughs> like, like I said a couple weeks ago, my biggest fear with the Michigan game is that there's going to be a sense of complacency, that they're going to come off beating Penn State, clinching the Big Ten East, having won seven in a row in this series, and then thinking they're going to waltz their way through the rivalry game. That's the fear with Michigan. Nothing that Michigan themselves does. Ohio State controls their destiny completely. It's whether they let it go to their head or not. And luckily, Ryan Day to this point has seemed to have not allowed any of that complacency to creep into his program. But what Michigan did yesterday against Michigan State was a first half that was pretty tight before Michigan State just gave out. You know, they're like the boxer who punches above their weight for a couple rounds, and then finally you can just tell his hands can't stay up, his feet aren't moving fast, and he's ready to be knocked out. That was Michigan State. And candidly, Michigan State has been exposed as a program that doesn't really have the depth it needs to compete at the level it does, or at least it used to. Urban Meyer said this yesterday on Fox Sports during the pregame show. He goes, this isn't the same level Michigan State team in terms of the talent on the team that I had to face. There's no Le'Veon Bell. There's no first-rounders on the defense. There's, there's no Connor Cook. This Michigan State team is the byproduct of a couple years of decline where Antonio sort of played out the string. And beating Michigan State at this point really isn't that big of an accomplishment. They're not the Michigan State of 2013 anymore. The Michigan State of today is one of the four worst teams in the Big Ten. Like, I don't know who would win in a game between them and Maryland at this point. And if you watch what happened with Michigan State earlier in this year, there was back-to-back losses to Ohio State and Wisconsin where they got their butts kicked in both of them, sort of broke that football team. So, yay, Michigan, you beat a bad football team. This is like celebrating beating Rutgers. Why would you do it? Except in this case, it happens to be their rival, so I'm sure they're happy. But Michigan State's not a good team. And nothing I've seen from Michigan makes me think anything other than, okay, you're doing what Harbaugh teams normally do. You beat up on bad teams. When you go against the really good teams, then you have some concern. 
I will say this, though. Michigan seems for once to be pulling out of their stubborn cycle on defense. If you look at what they're doing on D, and this is another thing Urban was talking about yesterday with Charles Woodson, they're not sticking to that man press that they used to stick to. They're playing a bit more zone, and I think that's a direct result of getting completely ripped up on crossing routes. And finally, Don Brown had to change what he was doing. Doesn't mean OSU's still not going to beat him. Everybody under the sun knows that the way you need to try to defend this is a zone. They still don't have the athletes to match up with OSU. But Michigan, as a team, they're an okay to good team. They're not an elite team like OSU. And if the Buckeyes show up to play the way that they we know they can play, that will be a Buckeye win. The big question is, is they going to get complacent? And that's the fear going into that game. No question in my mind. The aforementioned Urban Meyer will be back in Columbus this weekend as part of Fox's noon package. ESPN game day will be there as well. The Nittany Lions struggled a little bit yesterday with Indiana, I believe. The Hoosiers outgained them, but they pulled it out in the end. Your thoughts on how the Nittany Lions played against Indiana and then what the Buckeyes are facing when the Nits come calling. Well, first of all, in that game, you know what the difference was? It was an Indiana fake punt in the third quarter. That was the most obvious, stupid fake punt I've ever seen outside of the one where the Colts guy snapped it with six guys or something against him and the snapper. It was like the announcers were like, don't go for the fake punt, man. Come on, man. Don't do it. Don't go for it. Come on. You're in a tight game. Kick it deep. Why are you doing this? Oh, they did it. And literally the next play was a touchdown for Penn State. That just completely idiotic decision was the seven-point difference in that game. The other thing we learned about this game is, is that Without K.J. Hamler, that Penn State offense is far from intimidating. Uh, Indiana's a decent to good team. They're 7-3, and three, folks. It's not like this is a bad Indiana team. So it was an okay win for Penn State. But they went toe-to-toe with the team Ohio State, beat by six touchdowns. And Penn State, if they don't have K.J. Hamler, you can just throw any option, opportunity for them to win the game against Ohio State just out the window. He's easily their most terrifying player. He's easily the most important player on their offense. He's the one who's, you know, he put, takes the top off the teams. There's nobody else on their team. They have a decent tight end, but there's nobody on their team that's going to break Ohio State's defense. They just don't have the talent and speed to do it. And, you know, at the end, this was, this is essentially another example of if you don't trust the quarterback and you don't trust the head coach in big moments, you really think they're going to upset Ohio State? The answer is no. And yesterday, Penn State was the beneficiary of one of the most foolish coaching decisions I've ever seen in that fake punt by Indiana. It was 20 to 14. It was fourth and two on their half the field. So you're going to try to go for it. Go for it. Don't fake a punt that everybody sees coming. And then, it, like I said, the football gods punished Tom Allen for that decision by immediately giving Penn State a touchdown. And that was the difference in the game. So, look, this is a good Penn State team. They're much like Michigan. They're a good team. They don't suck. They have some talent in spots, right? Penn State's going to be in the top ten when they come next week. This is going to be a nice resume opportunity for OSU. But are you going to tell me that an OSU team that appears to be the most complete team in the country on both sides of the football, that hasn't let anybody touch them all year, is going to let a Penn State team come in and take away the Big Ten East and their home field? I don't see it. And if it's a Penn State team without K.J. Hamler, it's borderline impossible. Now, we all remember 2015 Michigan State, where Michigan State somehow came in with a backup quarterback against the most talented OSU team I've ever seen and won that game and ruined what should have been a national championship repeat season. So you can't get too cocky. But I'm extremely confident that the Ohio State Buckeyes will be ready to play this weekend against Penn State. They're a matchup advantage literally everywhere on the field. Penn State's a nice 9-10 win kind of team this year. 
Ohio State's a championship caliber team, and championship caliber teams should deck good teams. And we saw it with Ohio State and Wisconsin, because candidly, I think Wisconsin's a better team than Penn State. All right, and you can't even make as much fun of that Illinois loss, by the way, now when Illinois looks like they're going to win seven, eight games this year. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough road loss against a decent opponent. <laughs> we didn't realize it at the time, but that's what it's shaping up to be. So, you know, this is another team that has essentially Wisconsin talent, but on the offensive side of the ball, they don't hang their hat on anything like Wisconsin does running the ball with Jonathan Taylor. So I, I see this game as an opportunity for Ohio State to make yet another statement about how good they are and lock up the Big Ten East. And that's the first major goal down if they can accomplish that this weekend in the horseshoe. You mentioned that 2015 game against Michigan State. Still the most unenjoyable sporting event I have ever attended based on result and weather combination. K.J. Hamler, my fear of him has been well documented. I was actually watching the game when he got hurt. Shocker, it was on a kickoff return. Keep putting your best player back there to get hurt for no reason. If you watch the play, too, it wasn't even that big of a hit, but he was hit from behind when he was going down. I think it surprised him, bashed his head on the ground, but he was out immediately. He didn't come back in. I mean, it, it, it knocked him silly. And like you said, without Hamler, I just don't see how they score enough points. They're just not threatening enough. If you did have one concern, don't you think James Franklin is going to view this as like their kitchen sink game? And we're going to see every goofy play and freak show approach they can do? Well, for sure. I mean, James Franklin sees this game as the blockade to his program being elite. He even said that after OSU's win last year. And for all the confidence that we have, Look at the last three years in this game. Three years ago was the block kick upset in Happy Valley that essentially saved Franklin's job and turned him from a mediocre head coach there in an eight and four season to a guy who took a team to the Rose Bowl and won the Big Ten and has catapulted their recruiting to a, a level that's a top ten recruiting team. And this is going to be very, very important for them because since that win in Happy Valley, they lost by one point in the horseshoe and they lost by two points at home last year. Combined OSU's won the last two games here by a field goal. And face it, those have been some pretty epic games. Both have been OSU big comebacks. You remember that game in the horseshoe two years ago? OSU was down like 16 points or something. It was the greatest game of JT Barrett's career leading that comeback. And, you know, last year was, it was a 26-14 with like eight minutes left, and OSU scored two late touchdowns. The long Ben Victor one that he ran through the whole Penn State defense on a ball that, he didn't catch it. Two guys were going to pick it, and it just happened to be exactly where he could get it and go. I mean, there's been a lot of things that have broke OSU's way in this game in the last two years. But prior to that in this series, OSU had about a four-year run where they decked Penn State, just decked them. And, look, this is the most talented Penn State team from a recruiting standpoint OSU will face this year. No question about it. And James Franklin has the athletes to make this interesting, but he doesn't have the athletes on the offensive side of the football. OSU could go out in this game and score 24 points, and it'll probably be enough to win. Because I just don't see how Penn State, in four quarters against the first-team defense, is going to be able to get into the 20s. I just don't see it. Their quarterback is not super accurate. He does not have his best weapon, and he likes to run, which is a really bad sign if you're going to run into this OSU defense. So, uh, you know, they're they're going to have every trick possible, but are the tricks going to be enough? I, I just I don't see it. I just don't see it. I think, well, at this point, what we've seen from this OSU team is that they're historically good so far. Ten games into the season, this is the most dominant OSU team in history. This Penn State's not the team to beat them. It's kind of, you want to boil it down to to the most simple answer. This Penn State team is just not good enough to beat them. 
as long as OSU doesn't make mistakes or beat themselves or we don't have, like, a driving snowstorm that comes out of nowhere, Ohio State should win this football game, and they should win it with some comfort. Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley, and Chris Godwin is an NFL trio, a big-time one. Chris Godwin is one of the leading receivers in the NFL. He gave us fits. If you look at the numbers, and Ohio State's going to score in the 40s, and Penn State will score in the teens if you just add it up. Without K.J. Hamler, come on, man. I'm going to sleep much better on Friday night, which is good. All right, let's bring it national. Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU, I think, had separated themselves in the eyes of the voters and the national vibe. That gap got an even bigger yesterday when Tua Tagovailoa went down. Give me your top four right now, maybe a little national vibes. All right, well, number one, OSU. Number two, LSU. Number three, Clemson. So, honestly, if I had to pick LSU-Clemson right now, I'm picking Clemson. LSU, again last night, gave up a ton of points to an average offense. They went to Ole Miss and gave up 38. That's the fourth time this year LSU has given up 38 points or more. It continues my argument that LSU is this year's version of last year's Ohio State team. Great passing attack. Offense does a ton of stuff. The defense is nowhere near where it usually is. And that's going to catch up to them if Clemson's talent is, is still where we all believe it to be. So that's something to keep in mind. Now, fourth place. Right now, I'm assuming Georgia will hold the four uh, in the next round of rankings. But I'm even more convinced after the unfortunate injury to Tua Tagovailoa that Alabama's done. There's no way you're putting them in the playoffs with Max Jones at 11-1. and Let's be real. And on top of that, I think the Pac-12 champion has moved that much closer towards eventually earning the fourth seed. Um, right now, Utah went out and blew out their opponent last night. Oregon went out and had a solid but unspectacular kind of game. They're both going to be 11-1 and when they play, right? They're both going to be 11-1. and And they're both going to have an opportunity the Friday night of championship weekend to make a statement beating another top seven or eight team who only has one loss. And at that point, look, people want to talk about the scenario, what if Georgia wins out? What if Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship game? LSU should still be in. I don't think that's necessarily the case. You tell me that a team that loses their last game and has a defense that's given up a ton of points this year is all of a sudden going to get credit that they can lose their last game and still get in ahead of a Pac-12 champion, has, especially if it's Oregon, by the way. Oregon has one loss on opening night in a big game against Auburn where they lost in the last second in a game. If anybody watched that game, you knew Oregon was the better team and they just kept blowing it in key moments. What's the message from the committee then? Hey, Oregon, if you'd scheduled Portland State instead of Auburn, you'd be in. That's the message they'd sent. So, candidly, I don't see a way two SEC teams get in. Even if Georgia wins the SEC, I think LSU drops out. And... At that point, the Pac-12 champ is waiting to get in. And the Pac-12 champ right now is a step ahead of the Big 12 champ. That's for sure. After watching Baylor and Oklahoma play a, 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 tough, a tight game last night that Oklahoma had a historically big comeback from down 25 points to win, I think everybody's going to look at Oklahoma like they looked at OSU last year and go, that's a great offense. I don't know what the hell the defense is doing. I don't want to trust that team against Ohio State or Clemson. Are you kidding me? So, I think the big takeaway is is that if things play out the way we expect them to, the Pac-12 champs getting in. Regardless, the stretch run for Ohio State is here. It's on for real now. We appreciate the people's champs stopping by. Have a great Sunday, Bucknutters.
on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You did. Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.